0: You know, I really thought that we had a breakthrough on Friday's show. And when I mean we, I mean the text line and I. I thought that there was a portion of the show, Parker, where I at least convinced some people that Gary Bohannon would be a good uh, addition to the OU quarterback room. All right, yeah. He's not going to be asked to throw the ball a lot. He's just a backup in that short yardage sets. He makes some good points here. Gary Bohannon would be very, very intriguing ad for OU. Well, throw Friday's entire show in the garbage because he's going to be the starting quarterback for the South Florida Bulls next year. Just when I thought we had a breakthrough on a major off-season topic, Parker, uh, he's going elsewhere. But, you know, know, here's
1: what's going to happen now, right? Either Gary Bohannon's going to light it up at South Florida and you'll be taking a victory lap anyway, or Gary Bohannon's going to get benched four games into the (laughs) season and you're going to have – the receipt keepers on the on the Air Comfort Solutions text line texting in and saying, ah, "Remember when Tyler wanted this guy to come to Oklahoma?" And it
0: won't even be on my radar. It'll be like after a week eight or week nine game, Parker. It will come back Monday, and it'll just be forget OU's win on Saturday. Let's talk about Gary Bohan and getting <laughs> benched against UCF. What happened, man? Uh, well, text kinda... line's already celebrating. Woohoo! Tyler's transfer crush is it coming to Oklahoma? Let's go, take that, Tyler. Someone in the nine one eight. Yeah, all right. Whatever. That'd be Kendall.
1: Well, this kind of shuffles the deck once again for Oklahoma in terms of who the backup quarterback is going to be. Yeah. Now, now you're kind of looking at Davis Bevel. Like, is this the guy? Yeah, and it would make sense on paper. On paper, it makes more sense than Gary Bohannon, I would say.
0: Six foot six, what three years of eligibility left? He's played in eight games, and he's thrown for eighty-eight yards in his career at Pitt. So, oh, is that all? I looking at it today, huh. yeah. For some
1: reason, I thought he played a lot more extensively than that in the bowl game this last year, but. I
0: um. So, but he, here's here's the conversation I think that we need to to lean to, Parker. And, and yeah, Davis Bevel. He was uh, what on campus this weekend. Is there a possibility that OU doesn't end up taking a quarterback uh, this off season via the portal? Now they want to. Yeah. But is there a chance that they don't get anyone to come in and play backup quarterback?
1: No, I don't think there's a chance.
0: You think 100% just, regardless of who it is or what the situation they're taking a quarterback?
1: I think 100% yes, regardless of what the situation is, regardless of who it is, I think Oklahoma is going to do everything in their power to make sure they get another signal caller on campus. Now, is it Davis-Bevel? Well, you'd hope so. If it's not Davis-Bevel, then you're kind of back to square one. But it's one of those positions, and, and it's not necessarily an area of need. I don't want to make it seem as though Oklahoma's season in 2022 is riding on whether they're bringing quarterback. It's not a need until it's a need, you know? But exactly. It's not a need until Dylan Gabriel bangs up his knee. And then maybe at the point where, say, you didn't add a quarterback and you really wish you'd brought in just about anybody with experience at the Power 5
0: level. Well, now we're to the point that even if you get the best available player on the board, Parker, um, I'm going to feel the exact same, most likely, about whoever they bring in than I would anyone else on roster right now if they have to play significant snaps. So I, I guess I'm just asking, where's like the threshold? Because you're going to give this kid a scholarship, most likely. You've got, what, two scholarships available. You want to give one to a wide receiver, one to a quarterback. Like, sure. What's the line? What's the level of, all right, we need a backup quarterback, but – the pickings right now, you know what I mean? Like, are you just going to give anyone a a scholarship now to come be the backup quarterback, or is there a certain threshold? And at some point, do you say, yeah, we don't want to waste a scholarship here, especially for someone that has three years of eligibility. We'll just roll with Nick Evers, Micah Bowens, whoever. I just wonder if we're close to that. I think it also depends
1: upon what your options look like at wide receiver. Because what if both J.J. Hester and L.V. Bunkley Shelton pick up the phone today And call the OU staff and say,
0: hey, I want to be a Sooner. Are you going to tell either one of them no? Uh, (laughs) Every offer that's sent out, I I don't know if it works in the same in the transfer portal, but we've heard in recruiting, every offer is a committable offer. Correct? That's how this staff goes about it? Exactly. And if both of those two kids have an offer, I'm guessing it would be committable. Um, Maybe they told them behind the scenes, like, hey, we got one scholarship for both of you. Whoever commits first has it. I don't know, but... Yeah, you're 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 in a real interesting scenario at this point. Yeah, and I like Davis Bevel. I'm not saying he's the type of quarterback
1: you want to build a program around, but if worst comes to worst and that dude has to see the field in 2022 if he comes to Oklahoma to be the backup, I don't think you know you toss the oars out and get down the boat and hope for the best if you're an Oklahoma fan. At that point in time, I think you can have some confidence in Davis Bevel, especially being a guy that at the very least has taken a few snaps before at the power five level. Right. So I would say you're not necessarily putting all your eggs in this basket at this point, but it's okay to put a lot of eggs in the Davis Bevel basket (laughs) because, yes, once he's off the table.
0: Then the pickings really get slim. Yeah. Uh text line, are there any quarterbacks left in the portal that are actually better than the ones OU already has, not named Dylan Gabriel? I mean, that there there's a there's a point. Um, how how good do they feel about Nick Evers? Is Nick Evers a better option at backup quarterback than what's left in the portal right now? That that may be true. And and I guess my, my question would be too, Parker, is if it ends up coming down to where, all right, um, There's not a whole lot of great names left in the portal. Let's just go with Nick Evers as the backup quarterback. Do you play him in more than four games? Do you want him to keep that redshirt season? Like, the backup quarterback could end up playing zero role at all within this football team. But, I mean, it could play a major role if we're talking about the backup quarterback being a true freshman. Do you want to keep his redshirt year from beyond? It could turn into, and it's kind of turning into that way, a kind of a complicated situation.
1: Yes, and it will be a complicated situation. As I'm looking through the transfer portal right now, you know, I, I, with the available options at the quarterback position,
0: there just aren't that many good ones. Yeah, I, I looked at the transfer portal rankings. Now that Gary Bohannon's out of it, twenty four seven had like the top ten players in the portal. There was not a quarterback to be to be found in that top ten. As like, I just dang. as I just scroll deeper
1: and deeper, continually, just like I I don't know who any of these guys are. <laughs> so, I mean, and there's some names you'll recognize, like Cam's little brother, Kayla Newton, at Auburn. He's still in the portal. Uh, somebody named Baylor Romney from BYU is in the portal. Maybe he's the heir to the Mitt Romney fortune. I don't know. But it's just...
0: You get some major that. donations out of that. Yeah, That's what maybe, you got to start maybe, looking at Maybe at this so. is which family could donate the most to the athletic department. Yeah, it's just... The pickings are real, real slim. Text line says Davis Bevel has more experience than Quinn Ewers. That is true. Wow. That is true. But if you haven't heard, Quinn Ewers is going to totally change the direction of Texas football single-handedly. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention here recently, but apparently Quinn Ewers, yes, he hasn't thrown a meaningful pass yet in college football, but by God, he might be a Heisman finalist at the end of this season. Okay,
1: if things fall through, With Davis Bevel. And this is not intel. This is just me talking. Based on what I know of the quarterbacks, what I know OU likes, and what they're looking for, I would say that two guys that would be worth watching, at the very least, are Tyson Pumachon and Parker McQuarrie. The former from Clemson, the latter from UCLA. Tyson Pumachan, obviously, there's familiarity there sure. with the staff that was at Clemson that is now at Oklahoma, and McQuarrie is a guy that is very how how do I put this? I just he's very tall, six foot seven, native of New Hampshire, was a four star prospect in the class of 2021, I do believe, uh, and he can sling it a little bit. So he's he's unproven, has never taken a snap at the P5 level, but. If things don't come to fruition with Davis Bevel, I can see one of those two guys maybe be
0: in the next priority for Oklahoma. Text line said did Gary Bullhannon land somewhere? Sorry for butchering his name. You actually uh, – well, yeah, it's, it's not spelled Gary, uh, G-A-R-Y. Uh, it's G-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, he is uh, landed at South Florida. So that's OU South Florida, Missouri, and Arkansas State, the schools that he was considering. He's going to be the starting quarterback at South Florida, and I don't blame him. I still think that he would have played a pretty big role here, but um, he is uh, he, he is off to the American Athletic Conference. Well, instead. and like we were saying all week last week. It was
1: nice in theory, but a guy hits the portal because he's not starting at his current school. He's probably going to look, first and foremost, at schools at which he can start.
0: Yeah. Uh, the good news, though, uh, a couple wide receivers were on campus this weekend. Mizzou transfer, J.J. Hester. He is a Booker T product, actually. Yes. He was a four-star coming out of Booker T. Uh, he As a freshman, when he had 12 catches, 225 yards, and a couple touchdowns. Um, a, a nice player. Like whether we're talking about J.J. Hester or we're talking about L.V. Bunkley Shelton, the transfer from Arizona State, who is also on campus. I believe he was on campus on Friday. I think what we're talking about here, Parker, is I don't think either of these guys. We're going to be having the conversation of oh, could they really push Mims and Farouk for the number one or number two wide receiver spots? I think what we're mostly going to be talking about can they be in that rotation of four to five you know maybe they can catch two or three balls uh, a game maybe they're looked at more as well in two years time that's really when their chance will be to make a move i don't i don't think either of these two guys is going to make the immediate impact to where they be the number one or number two receiver well, and you know the Drake Stoops hate club is salivating over I the I still prospectus. don't understand that one. No <laughs> one's ever understood why the Drake Stoops, uh, why that exists. I, don't, I, I don't hear this
1: sentiment expressed on a weekly basis. It's always like the same small group of people, too. Like, the people that hate Drake Stoops, that is not an expansive contingent, but they are very vocal
0: about never wanting Drake Stoops to see the field again at Oklahoma. Well, I don't, It's it's the dumbest, it really is the dumbest thing. Like, you didn't even, like, waste—you didn't have a scholarship on him when he walked through the door. He was a walk-on. Like, what are you mad at? Are you just looking for a reason to be mad? You caught the game-winning touchdown in the OU-Texas game in 2020. um I, He hasn't made—there's not a long list of, like, 15 huge plays he's made in his career, but— Parker, for a guy that you brought in as a walk-on, I think he's panned out pretty nicely for what he was coming into the yeah, program. Yeah, come on,
1: Tyler. He's short. He's not it a is. University of Oklahoma wide receiver. Oh, who they is? they all
0: got to be six foot four, two twenty, or we're not recruiting right. Who who is? Um, is is uh, Trajan Bridges? Is that the University of Oklahoma wide receiver? Yeah, and hey, guess what, folks? Is Jaden Hazelwood the the type of wide receiver you want?
1: Man, like oh, that's man. sad. Trajan Bridges. It's probably been, yeah, it's been just about a year since that all went down. And listen, like, I don't know how widely this is known, but on the Trajan Bridges front, here's what I was told from multiple people that were very, very close to that situation in the aftermath. Trajan Bridges would have been kicked out of the program a long, long time before that if he hadn't been arguably the most talented wide receiver in the entire football program. so People who hate
0: Drake Stoops, KISS, TBOWs ws arse, uh, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Drake Stoops is a baller. The haters can go pound sand. Yeah, this has to be a very, very vocal minority. Yes. I mean, it they must are, be they like one They are very or much a minority, people. but they are very vocal. I don't – I just – uh, they, they, for the life of me, I don't get that one. And believe
1: me, like, they're the type of people that, like, they don't care what you think. They don't
0: care about the facts. They don't care about the stats. Mm-hmm. They're like, nope, Drake. Stoops isn't an OU wide yeah, receiver. Stupid. Um, where, do, where do we f- where do we feel or how do we feel right now in terms of J.J. Hester, L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, at least one of those two guys that ended up at OU? Yeah, well, uh, as far
1: as L.V. Bunkley-Shelton is concerned, uh, the folks I've talked to have expressed a lot of confidence that that visit went swimmingly and that they're in line to get a commitment from him. But obviously, like we were talking about at the beginning of the segment, Tyler. You got Hester in the mix. That visit went very well also. So,
0: what happens if both of them want to come? <laughs> maybe you just take both of them and say, we're moving Canick to quarterback. It's official. Hey, give me Announce Canick, it, Lebby. Canick is our backup quarterback to start the season. Which, hey, uh, the whole Gary Bohannon short yardage goal line situations. Maybe old Canick. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't think that he's ever going to do that. I think that he's just going to be a linebacker and excel there. But, you know, and if you ever need an option, he's, he's over there at backer. And he's even got a single digit number. He'd look just fine playing quarterback if you needed him to. Air cover resolution, sex line. Those people are stuck on the
1: coach's kid BS. He was our most reliable receiver last year without a doubt.
0: Certainly one of them. Yeah. I had a great catch in the Alamo ball. That
1: probably doesn't help, though, that he's the coach's kid. That's probably why he gets a bad rap from some of those people, is because, well, and I don't want to give them any credit because, like, if you don't at least respect what Drake Stoops has accomplished at Oklahoma, you just don't yeah, know Yeah, you don't football. know football. Yeah, you don't know football. But yeah. I,
0: I can understand that maybe that's the rationale in their mind as well. He's only, he's
1: only on the roster because
0: he's a coach. Well, whatever. Uh, keep lighting up the text line. Love it. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Um, OU, speaking of walk-ons, speaking of walk-on wide receivers – um OU has an incoming walk-on wide receiver that won a state championship this weekend we'll tell you about that you might want to get excited about a local product around here keep it locked on locked in we are the ref it's the home of Sooner fans locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref we are the home of Sooner fans Uh, Excited to get to Amarillo, Texas tomorrow for the show. The Sooner Caravan will be in Amarillo tomorrow. Uh, I will be doing the show live from there from 2 to 6 p.m. So, if you are one of our great listeners in West Texas, or I know some Sooner fans that are uh, heading down to Amarillo from the panhandle of Oklahoma, I'm going to have some t-shirts to give away, so... Show me proof that you have the app on your, uh, on your phone, K-R-E-F, in the App Store. If you haven't already downloaded it, you can listen to us anywhere you're at, on the go, anywhere in the world. Show me that you have proof of the app, and I'm going to give you a pretty cool t-shirt tomorrow in Amarillo. Sound easy enough, Parker? Sounds easy enough to me. Sounds plenty easy enough. I'm going to be in Tulsa tomorrow at the Bob Dylan Museum. Really? Yes. Are you, uh, are you off the show tomorrow?
1: No, I'm not off the show
0: tomorrow. Um, I'm going. I'm going after the show. <laughs> You're going to the Bob Dylan Museum. <laughs> yes, okay. absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we will it's be It's the grand opening tomorrow. We will be hundreds. No, yeah, no, no. completely opposite directions. Yeah, but, but it'll it'll still be, it out. Still be a good time. Uh, teased it before the break. Yeah, Gavin Freeman, who was a three star, uh, coming out of high school, committed to Texas Tech. I think his story is pretty widely known by that and by now. Took the preferred walk-on opportunity at OU over the scholarship offer at Texas Tech. He is the 100-meter state cha- state champ with a 10-8-1 this past weekend. Uh, watch out, man, because OU is really trying to beef up its walk-on program, and I, I definitely think that they're going to do that. But guys like Gavin Freeman, man, who was a three-star, and you got him into the program as a walk-on, we talk about skill players all the time, Parker. Um, But we rarely mention a guy like Gavin Freeman, and maybe we really won't at any point during the season this year, but this is a nice long-term investment for the OU football program. I'm not going to be surprised at all if at some point this kid really pans out to be, I don't want to call it a nice find because he's technically in your own backyard, but someone who sticks in the program for four to five years and really, really, really pans out the second half of his career. I think Gavin Freeman could be a really nice player at OU. I think Gavin Freeman
1: is the type of guy that has the long-term potential, and I, I know it's almost a too easy comparison, but he can be Drake Stoops. He can be the guy that is diminutive in comparison to the rest of his peers on the field at the wide receiver position, but He'll do all the little things the right way. He'll contribute in multiple facets of the game. He'll be excellent on special teams. And the one thing he has, man, he's got elite speed. And not that Drake Stoops isn't fast, but I think what Gavin Freeman gives you that distinguishes him from somebody like Drake Stoops is sure they're similar in size, Sure, they're going to have to be precise with their routes, and they're going to have to be scrappy if they're going to create separation because there's only so much you can do when you're five foot nine in that regard. But the one thing that's going to set Gavin Freeman apart from the type of wide receivers in years past, like a Drake Stoops, that have been productive despite small stature at the University of Oklahoma, is he just has an ability to get downfield. Yep. Man and he can legitimately be a field stretcher as opposed to just a possession receiver. So, yes, although he is a walk-on, I would expect that by the end of his career in Norman, Oklahoma, Gavin Freeman is going to be on scholarship, and he's going to be starting for this program.
0: Yeah, and and I continue to hear that this walk-on program that they're really trying to build, and I know LSU is trying to do the same thing, um, but OU's really, really trying to beef up uh, that, that walk on program and I think that they're gonna do just that. I don't know if it's gonna be every single recruiting cycle that you're gonna be able to get a three star prospect as a preferred walk-on, but I don't think that Gavin Freeman is going to be the only one. I mean they're they're gonna continue to get kids that are really good players, kind of maybe long term investments in the program, in the program without having to to offer a scholarship. So Gavin Freeman though is is definitely one that we got to keep our eyes on in, in the next two to three years, in, in terms of how he uh, pans out in this program, uh, is OU going to get some good Cruton news later this afternoon around five six p.m. Mm, no comment. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, Caleb Spencer, he is a six foot three athlete, twenty twenty three kid out of the state of Virginia. What he just tweeted out that he's going to make an announcement at six p.m. today, which that would be five p.m. Central Time. So. Keep an eye out on that one. Maybe a chance there that OU gets its newest commits yep. later on this afternoon. Yeah, so it's there's a chance. It's been a while. It's been a while. I'm not sure uh, we're gonna know how to re- remember how to react when a commitment happens. But commitment number five could be taking place. It has this been afternoon. over three months since Crazy, Oklahoma got a commitment.
1: I wonder how long it has been since OU had a commitment drought of that length.
0: Man, um, you'd have to go back a ways. Yeah, you'd have to go back uh, a, a long ways. And there's not – like maybe there were some summers in the past where we thought like, dang, what's what's going on? What What's what's happening here? I don't feel like it's been this long. But again, I, we, we've laid it out several times. Laid it out several times is once the season starts, I think you're going to start seeing more commits roll in. It's going to be kind of the exact opposite of what we've been accustomed to. Because OU by now uh, would you know definitely be a top 10 class, I would say the commits would be rolling in, but they're just they're going about it in kind of a different way. And we'll we'll see if it pans out. We'll see if it pans out, which I, I would like to do a wellness check on all the OU fans because currently OU has the number 30 class in, uh, in college football. And we've told you time and time again, don't freak out. It's still early. The timeline that you're used to, it's going to be pushed back a little bit. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have a great class. OU will. The timeline for just commi- you know players committing might get pushed back. I would just like to to get a wellness check on OU fans though when it comes to this class. Is everyone good? Text line 405-651-3439. How we feel about um, just uh, just a few commits for this current class. By the way, the Air Comfort Solutions text line has coalesced
1: behind Drake Stoops, which is a beautiful thing to witness.
0: Which they should.
1: So just, I just tuned in. Not sure what the Drake Stoops hate is, but are they stupid? Yes, they, they are. I will answer block? that. Yes, they are. Uh, I, I think it was – yes, it was the Oklahoma State game in 2020. I swear Drake Stoops ran five miles that night. He was in motion before every single snap. Yeah. And that was – because he'd made some plays earlier that season, Uh, most notably, obviously, the reception to win the Red River Showdown in four overtimes. But that was the night that it hit me for real, and I officially became Team Drake Stoops. Not just, oh, you know, Drake Stoops is good, but no, Drake Stoops is invaluable.
0: Yeah, and what was the comment that you heard? Oh, well, Drake Stoops isn't a University of Oklahoma wide receiver. Well, if Drake Stoops is not a University of Oklahoma wide receiver, then there's a problem because I think he embodies everything you want as a wide receiver. Right? Has the abilities to go out and make plays down the field, but you want you want your wide receivers to be as tough as that dude. I mean, how, how many times have we seen Drake Stoops, not the biggest guy on the field, and and in fact, maybe you know more times than not, the smallest guy on the field. Go out there and put his body on the line and lay some big time blocks. Like well, I, I wish, I hope that that's the embodiment of what the OU wide receiver position is. At least it should be. Well, and conversely, think about how many times Drake
1: Stoops has just gotten popped coming across the middle. Because that—that that is the role of a slot receiver. You got to do a lot of your dirty work over the middle. And when you're running routes over the middle, you are going to take shots. It happens. There is no getting around it. And time and time again, the Kansas State game last year is a perfect example. I remember one instance where Drake Stoops caught a pass, and it was a pretty nondescript pass. It was like a six- or seven-yard button hook. But the ball was deflected at the line of scrimmage just barely. Like a defensive lineman just got a fingertip on it. That's one of the hardest balls for a wide receiver to catch because it doesn't affect their trajectory that much that you feel like you have to readjust. But – it'll put the ball in a different spot than you were anticipating catching it. Drake Stoops goes, catches the pass off the slight deflection, takes a shot from a linebacker coming at his blind side. Hangs onto the ball, pops right back up, oh, and trots yeah. back to the up. yeah
0: baller dude. That's- Anytime the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, too, you just know like I, I'm about to get I'm about to get absolutely popped here. That just it exactly. just happened, it just that ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. You, you're running across or over the middle. You can just go ahead and expect to get popped. Well, because it they- gets right back up. Yeah, all pa- good. Pass interference is out the window at that point. Once the ball gets tipped, they can hit you anytime. time. Uh, text line, kind of freaking out. 2023 is going to be this staff's hardest recruiting class, IMO. I don't know. I thought last year was going to be this staff's uh, toughest recruiting class, and they ended up closing just fine. But there is at least one person that is kind of freaking out. Why would this be the staff's hardest recruiting class? Because there's a lot of prospects out there in a wait and see mode on what this football team is going to look like under this new staff is is that what that that text is getting at I think it's I
1: think the people that believe that I think the people that are skeptical of Oklahoma's ability to recruit an elite class in 2023 are more so skeptical of Venables and company's ability to establish a culture that quickly because There are some elements of the unknown with this program, and we we should acknowledge that. They haven't played a game yet under Brent Venables, so obviously we have a pretty good idea of the kind of success that they have the ability to experience in 2022, but we don't know what the 2022 season is going to look like. And so I think in the eyes of a lot of these fans, I I would say those are the fans that are more taking a wait-and-see approach with this program before they let themselves get too excited. But at a certain point in time, you just got to buy in. And the reality is we're not talking about buying in to something like the University of Texas, right? It's not it's not as if the only reason that people are buying in on Oklahoma is because of their fabled tradition, right? The only people the only reason people buy in on Texas every year is because that's the University of Texas. There's no way they can be that bad for that long. the, The turnaround has to be coming at some point down the line. But the reason everyone's buying in on Oklahoma, even before Brent Venables has coached a game, is because they know that throughout the years, Oklahoma has been able to maintain a stable and consistent program despite a coaching change. You think back to 2017 when Lincoln Riley, Mule Shoe, <laughs> went to the college football playoff in his first season as a head coach and the youngest head coach in the FBS. So it's about the people that are in place. It's about the players. It's about the Jimmys and Joes more so than it is about the head coach. But when you look at the head coach and you look at what Brent Venables has done, That gives you all the more of an encouragement that things are headed in the right direction.
0: Let me get two more in real quick. Content with where we are in Brent trust. fuss from the 405. Someone in the 918. Don't know why fans are so freaked out about not having many commits. BV knows what he's doing. Just trust him. I wonder if it scares some people, um, not only this new recruiting approach, but that it didn't yield – a ton of top five classes at Clemson, which I think is the more impressive. They won two national championships without having to elevate themselves as the number one, the number two, the number three class. You see what I mean there. Um, I don't think that this exists right now. Let me just say this. But if the fans do start to say, hmm, like come up with reasons as to why this won't work out, um, I think it'll be well, he's just not going to be able to recruit enough at a a high enough level to break through and win a national championship. Again, I I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to be true. But if I had to guess on... You know some of those fans out there that are questioning this a little bit. If they start to, I think that that's the line that they'll that they'll throw out. Well, and the fact that Venables won two national championships while on staff at
1: Clemson, despite the fact that Clemson wasn't pulling in top five classes annually, that speaks to evaluation and it speaks obviously to development. And when you're talking about evaluation, oh you know, sure, you'd like to be recruiting five stars, but oftentimes, Tyler, when you're talking about the thirty five ish five stars in any given class. And the next 150 players beyond that that are the high-end four-stars, you're splitting hairs a lot of times in terms of talent level. Every so often you'll get generational guys. You'll get a Travis Hunter right? that's just head and shoulders above the rest. But for the most part, any of about the top 150, 200 prospects in the country are just about on the same footing in terms of their potential.
0: All right, we got to hit a break. Uh, You guys continue to flood in the Air Coverage Solutions text line. We'll get to as many as we can next segment. Parker also put in a crystal ball for a four-star linebacker this weekend. We'll tell you about that as well. Coming up next, keep it locked right here on The Ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems. Bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Try the McComas, Parker, Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Elite Roofing Systems, they're locally owned and operated, headquartered in Norman and Tulsa, and serving customers in the greater Oklahoma City area since 2010. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. Oklahoma City, give them a call, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475 or elitesroofing.com. All right, to the Air Coverage Solutions text line we go. Uh, We got a ton there. We need to get J.J. Hester on board. Maybe that will help us get back in on Micah T. So first off, in case you missed it, uh, J.J. Hester is – he visited this weekend from Missouri in the transfer portal, former four-star wide receiver from Booker T. Do you buy into that at all, that getting J.J. Hester on campus – Will help out with Micah Tease, who you say yeah. OU is not turning in a great I direction mean, on that.
1: I, I mean, I guess in theory, sure, but you got to keep in mind JJ Hester and Micah Tease would only have overlapped for one season. Hester's senior year, Tease's freshman year. So I don't necessarily believe that the relationship there will be strong enough such that that's going to have a significant pull. And moreover, you got to think about how many relationships Micah Tease already has on the Oklahoma end. It's like, okay, at what point do you just say another drop in the bucket isn't going to change anything? Because he's tight with Gentry Williams, his former high school teammate who's going to be a Sooner. Obviously, Jaden Rowe, Robert Spears Jennings, all those Tulsa area guys and all those coaches that have been to the Tulsa area repeatedly uh, to see them over the last few months and, shoot, over the last few years even. Mike Atiz's brother attended the University of Oklahoma, started at wide receiver as recently as 2018 for the program. Everybody in Mike Atiz's circle, if you just looked at them individually, you'd say, okay, well, I don't see how on earth this kid isn't a Sooner, but I'm just telling you, that's that's where things are trending yeah. right now. Arkansas, there's a lot of buzz for the Razorbacks in this race. Notre Dame's got a fighting chance. Clemson is going to offer tees whenever he makes it out there for a visit. So, man, it's there's work to be done. It kind of feels similar to Gentry Williams' recruitment in a way, but you never really doubted that Gentry was going to come back around to Oklahoma if you knew Gentry. With but it Micah. got weird for a period, yeah, yeah, no. And this weird. is
0: the period that we're kind of in which With is Micah, what it feels like. I
1: don't know if you can say the same. I don't know if it's a sure thing that he comes back around to Oklahoma in the end.
0: Did we discuss Caleb Spencer? He said he's committing tonight. Yes, we did discuss Caleb Spencer. That was last segment. Uh six foot three, two uh he's a twenty three athlete out of the state of Virginia. Five o'clock central, I think, is when that announcement's gonna be made, which knowing how announcements work or decisions, that's more like five twenty 520 or five twenty five. Nah. They don't ever drop at the time they said they're going to, so yeah, uh, it feels like you could probably expect some good news there. Uh Caleb Spencer will announce for Sooners. That's from uh Soonerman on the text line. Okay, there's there's our confirmation, Parker. Text line is saying uh, look, go ahead and count it, guys. Soonerman sure says put, it. Put it on the put it on the board. It's it's gonna happen. Uh and, and more people uh sticking up for Drake stoops, which yeah, I, you shouldn't even have to stick up for Drake stoops. Whoever is out there saying it is a is a moron and I'm sorry, doesn't know anything about football. Peyton Pierce, four-star linebacker out of the state of Texas, Lucas, Texas. 6'1", 225, you put in a crystal ball, what, this weekend for him to OU? Yes, indeed. Tell me what's so special about Peyton Pierce and why we should feel good about his chances of uh, uh, landing in Norman.
1: Yeah, the OU ties there run deep. Great-grandfather played at Oklahoma. Grandparents live in Norman. His brother actually was the one that Kyler Murray beat out to start at quarterback at Allen. So his brother kinda has the odd claim to fame that for the first six games of whatever season that would have been, two thousand twelve or something like that, uh, he he had the starting job over Kyler Murray at Allen High. But he ended up going to play defensive back at Tulsa, I believe. Um but Who, Who's his great grandfather that that played here? I, I do not know. I should have asked, should have followed up. I didn't <laughs> but uh I I'll I'll get an answer to that question before long for you. But as far as Peyton Pierce in Oklahoma, the, one of the things he told me when I went to visit him in Lovejoy this past weekend was, man, my dream was always to play for Brent Venables at Clemson. So when Brent Venables took the head coaching job at Oklahoma and seeing as how I grew up an OU fan, it was really the best of both worlds. So he's he says he's not going to make a decision until next spring. But, man, when you see that many – signals pointing in the same direction. It's really hard to believe that Peyton Pierce is not going to be a sooner when all is said and done. And he's not the type of kid that's going to be bought either. He's not going to be swayed by the promise of a seven-figure NIL deal somewhere. Tennessee.
0: That is is not a concern in my eyes at all. Uh, By the way, (laughs) there's some people on the text line that are a little bit concerned with uh, Caleb Spencer only because he has the uh, first name of the previous two quarterbacks. Now, Caleb is not spelled <laughs> like Caleb Williams. It is spelled with a K, but very good point. That is a really is good point. Is that the best omen? Do you want uh, a player with the name, the first name of the two former quarterbacks here? I don't know. Wow, that is, uh, I, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, will he be requesting NIL deals once he lands on campus? I, I, I don't know. It is a fair question. If he has his fingernails painting, painted, or at least like one hand, half of his fingernails painted. Then red flag. I Red flag here, and you got to rescind that offer. you got to go ahead and rescind that offer, regardless if he announces you or not. All right, one final segment of Locked In is coming up next. Yep, more Cruton, more football on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless sooner fans. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Uh, Parker's favorite prospect in the 2023 class, Arch Manning. According to On3, I guess there was like three more predictions that came in over the weekend for Texas. So Texas now, according to On3, has a 60% chance of landing Arch Manning, and I could be dead wrong on this one. And if I am, then whatever, you guys can come after me. That's fine. I still don't believe the Manning family is going to pick Texas at the end of this thing. I refuse to believe that that family is going to the dumpster fire that is the University of Texas. Maybe I'm wrong, and there's some guys out there that, uh, you know, I really respect and trust that are saying that Texas might be the move here, but... I still gotta believe it's Bama and Georgia over the University of Texas. Well, what am I missing? Well, here's the thing: Bama
1: has zeroed in on a different quarterback. I mentioned Elon, that on Elon Friday. Holstein.
0: Yeah, with Teddy. So I, I wonder if they are the seeing the writing on the wall, if they're like, or if yeah. they're just done with the circus. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because Nick Saban isn't really the type to sure play come get me. You know, he's not gonna play ring around the rosy with the Manning family until signing day. So. He doesn't feel confident that the Mannings want a piece of what he's built at Bama. Then you know he'll move on, and you can't fault him for that because there's going to be no shortage of blue chip quarterbacks beating down the door to play at Alabama. So between Texas and Georgia, man, I it's not it's, it's not like Georgia's done an incredible job of developing quarterbacks. No, the best quarterback Georgia's ever had is Justin Fields, and he was only there for a year. Yep. Uh, so yeah, they didn't start him over Jake Fromm, and, by the way. <laughs> The only memorable play Justin Fields ever had in a Georgia uniform was that horrific fake punt in the 2018 SEC championship game. But between Texas and UGA, you have two schools that in recent years have not been stellar at developing quarterbacks, Tyler. So maybe old Arch wants to help change the culture. I don't know what his rationale is. I don't know how much his rationale matters in the grand scheme of things, as far as him making the decision versus the family making. Oh,
0: you think uh, Cooper and company are making this decision for him, huh? Yeah, Yeah. I know a few things. Well, that's what I, I, I haven't really like. Got into and, this And I'm not saying they're like
1: helicopter parents. But, but it does I sound just, like Cooper's a little I know they difficult. are very involved. Very. Emphasis on very involved well, in the process. Well, if they're very so.
0: involved and in Texas is the leader, they need to get uninvolved with this process. Uh, let's pay attention to history a little bit with Texas recently at quarterback, shall we? The thing is...
1: Arch's options, and this is weird to say for the number one quarterback in the country, but his options are getting more and more limited by the day because Alabama seems to have other priorities. Ole Miss got their quarterback, Uh, Tennessee got Nico. I'm trying to think who else was originally in the
0: running for arch. LSU got in late. They're, I mean, if you even want to say that. it, seems like there was a top three. Florida tried to get in this thing late. So out of the the ogs that were originally in this thing, uh, maybe maybe they add some schools here. Like I, I just don't think it's going to go as smoothly as. They're going to announce this summer or something like that. Like Someone will get involved in this maybe later in the process that we're not projecting right now. Who knows? I think anything is on the table for the Manning family. Yeah, this has
1: all the makings of a recruitment that's going to take a couple of bizarre turns before it's all said and done.
0: (laughs) Uh, Cody Jackson is still in the portal, wide receiver from OU. I'm not hearing anything on him coming out of the portal. And, in fact, I saw a crystal ball for Houston. Yeah, which, okay, and that makes sense.
1: Houston and USC, as soon as he hit the portal, you kind of figured those were the two most likely destinations because of the familiarity with USC and the geography with Houston because he's from the Houston area originally. So, Those were always kind of the two schools that you looked at as the favorites to land his services. I wouldn't be surprised if he were a Cougar. I would be just as unsurprised if he were a Trojan.
0: I guess J.J. Hester, out of the two wide receivers that OU is looking at right now via the portal— is more uh, is the more intriguing option over LV Bunkley-Shelton, according to the text line, just because of his Booker T ties. This text says, before we get out of here, And I th- the size. I think you take J.J. Hester to fully tap into Booker T for the future. They produce first-round talent every few years, and we need that pipeline locked down heading into the SEC. Okay, but you don't need J.J. Hester to tap into Booker T.
1: You've already got Gentry Williams, and Gentry Williams arguably has more sway at Booker T than any player that has come through there over the last decade. So, I don't think you need J.J. Hester to quote-unquote tap into that pipeline. Would it be nice? Sure, but you don't got to put all your eggs in that basket.
0: There is some truth in that text, though. Booker T is is a place where you want your relationships to yes. be strong. Because no. they, they do put out some... Really, really good players, some high-level Division One players. So, yeah, do do what you, do what you need to do <laughs> yeah, to that is indisputable. Make your relationship strong uh, at Booker T. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the Ref We're the Homeless Sooner fans.